Hello, hi. Hey everyone, welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. I am Jake Stewart. And I'm James Hardy. That's James Hardy. Hello. Hey, and yeah, we're here to, what are we doing? We're talking about theatre. Theatre. We're talking about the art process. We're talking about the reviewing process. Sort of. Uh, we're excited <laughs> to be here and talk about it here in Melbourne. I'm personally ecstatic. I'm on the cusp <laughs> of a funky little seizure. It's, it's going I'm well. this close to orgasm right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking about theatre in Melbourne for the mm-hmm. most part. And then we'll see. Yeah. Sort of see where it goes. See where it goes. Maybe it'll go to Austria. <laughs> That's where my heart lives. <laughs> yeah. Sound of music. Eat your heart out. All I think about is sound of music. <laughs> what are we here for? Yeah. Talking about theatre in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, the shows that we see. The things that we like. The things that we hate. But we'll try not to be too mean about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that helps no one. Indeed, yeah, mm. no. So I think if it's, yeah, it's episode one, so I figure we'll give some context to our, you know, deeply human compulsion to want to talk a bunch and have people potentially be intrigued enough to listen to the rambles. I've got to say, I love the intense eye contact you're giving me right now. Thank you, really yes. Good. This is all a big ruse to make you fall in love with me. <laughs> so it's working. Keep gazing into these baby blues, baby. <laughs> Sparkling. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I'm a, I'm a playwright for the most part as far as my, my existence in the theatre theatrical landscape. A very good plan. Um, oh, thank you so much, I James. So. I do keep ending up on stage, but Ooh. that's that's against my will the and the wills demand. of the audience as they leave, wishing that it never happened again. <laughs> <laughs> that was trash. No, they oh, love it. Deafened by booze. Deafened by booze. Yeah. And booze James, the what? drink or boo the boo? Boo the both. Boo the sound <laughs> ghosts make. <laughs> I, James, what do you consider yourself to be? I consider myself to be a failure. No, I jest. Uh, um, I'm like, I guess like an actor when I can. I haven't been doing a lot of it recently because I don't know if you heard about this thing called COVID, but it hit us pretty hard. Oh, mm. I'm unfamiliar, but go on. Took us down. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I, I do a little bit of uh, performing when I can, but mostly I would say I'm just a theatre appreciator really nowadays. Like yeah. I really, really love going to see the shows mm-hmm. and review the shows and talk about them with friends. And I love being involved in the process as much as I can be. Great. Yeah. That's good. And yeah. have like an air of sadness to it. Which oh, mine very into. whimsical. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love yeah. Okay, beautiful. Mm. Okay, yeah. So I guess we'll talk briefly. Like, this won't be how every episode starts, presumably. No, um, ideally they'll be different. <laughs> yeah. Ideally they won't be the same. <laughs> so this will be the opening each and every time. <laughs> now cue the theme music. Yeah, but yeah, to, to, mm. to give this conversation some context. Yeah, I suppose it sprung up as an idea because on top of what you're saying which I also feel as well like talking about theatre is kind of what I plan to spend the rest of my life doing because that seems mm. to be all I do lately anyway yep. um, is to talk about the theatre and shows that we experience from a position of believing as I, I'm pretty sure we both do because we've talked about this a lot the idea that theatre and I'd say all art but we're focusing on theatre should be perceived and if necessary criticised but engaged with from a subjective Position, yeah. Like you should be coming to everything, sitting in a seat, looking at whatever the the piece of theatre is that you're looking at, and perceiving it through the lens that you bring to the table just by virtue of being a person. Yeah. Um. And not to get into a very familiar rant that I've subjected you to a number of times. So when it comes to theatrical criticism and theatre reviewing, oftentimes it seems as it seems as if the person that you've oftentimes given a free ticket to that turns up to a piece of art that you've poured a decent amount of your soul into with the people that you've come to hopefully adore quite a lot. You've made a piece of art that's feeling very, very vulnerable, very real and very much a part of your existence. You're then inviting these strangers to come along. And then what then seems to happen is from atop this lofty perch that we've inexplicably put these people on, Mm. they then proceed to criticise the work you've made as if they're marking it off against this criteria that they've been bequeathed by... The Lord Jesus Christ the Lord himself. Jesus Christ, but it's actually by society. And also, they're sipping a cup of brandy in a high ivory tower that you can't get at. That's and and no way Brandy in the sky. Brandy in the sky! <laughs> That's a lifestyle I can't relate to. But the belief that, that, that... Part of what I find resentable and enraging about... I don't know, the the, the theatre reviewing climate or situation that, at least in Melbourne, feels like kind of exists, mm. is the idea that these people that can very freely walk into the position of becoming a theatre critic that they were then all subjected to the opinions of, um, can often seem as if they are the gatekeepers and the answer holders. Arbiters of all knowledge. And and, um, behave as if there's a correct way to make art and an incorrect way to make art. They have the answer to what correct art is and what good art is, and they know what bad art looks like. And That helps no one. It's just, and it's also just wildly incorrect and absurd. And it's, it's, I don't know, art, is not something that is meant to be good or bad. Art is 
don't know. And I feel like I'll just keep. <laughs> very no, no, I, I fully agree. I, I, yeah. I, this is the whole reason we're doing the podcast. And mm. I think, um, yeah, that the whole idea behind art is that no one particular person should have the same idea of what that art is. And as we've said as well before, and what we should probably bring up is your opinions change. Totally. And yeah. they always change depending on the, the year, depending on the time of day, depending on your mood. Like, that is what art should be. It should engage differently with you every time you see it. And I think um, a static single review is something that just doesn't really do any justice to that. And I hadn't really thought about that until you pointed it out over that, that coffee we shared. We've had coffee before. <clears throat> it's pretty big, actually, guys. <laughs> um, you can't see that we're brushing our hair behind our ears, but we are. Mm-hmm. No, uh, sorry to move on from that. That's but fine. Yes, I think... But yeah, art isn't meant to be good or bad. It's meant to be whatever it is to you at the time that you see it. And yes. believing that p- there are people around that believe that they can decide if something's good or bad and that that's a helpful contribution to a, like a theatrical discourse is kind of absurd to me. Yes. And again, yeah. that's no disrespect to people that are making a living out of the <laughs> And there are some reviewers that are quite fair and are quite, quite... So many. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with things that I've read that like Rob Reed especially has written Ooh. some wonderful pieces about pieces of work that he's seen recently. Um, Alison Croggin, obviously, um, Myron Mai. Like these are people that have written theatre reviews or things about theatre that have been really worthwhile. There are so many people that have written really interesting, even friends of ours have written really interesting responses to pieces of art. And I think what sort of like, in my mind, unites all those things as being worthwhile pieces of literature and critique are things of like, you know, giving artists the benefit of the doubt. Yep, absolutely. And trying to get into the mindset of the people that have made the art in the first place, like giving them that level of respect. Um, and also people that couch their perspectives in the understanding, as I believe we intend to, couch our un, like our perspectives and our critiques and experiences of the work in the understanding that we bring ourselves to the piece, you know? Mm. And that's, that is, yeah. that's what like theatre necessitates an audience. It's only a vessel for the way that you perceive it. Exactly. It's just like, uh, part of what drives, I'd say, all artists most likely to create art in the first place is because they want their experience and the things they're trying to express to be not just validated but experienced with with the people around them. Like, I, for one, gravitate towards making theatre and experiencing theatre as a way of coping with a, r- a real sense of long-held loneliness, you know? Mm. And that's... I don't know. And that's not a thing that I need a star rating about. You yeah, know? no, absolutely not. I don't know. That's, that's our current understanding of what this is going to be <laughs> and the reason that Ooh, we've decided to burden the internet with our voices. You're welcome. Um, so we'll see what it ends up being. But thank you for at least coming along for this much of the ride. Um, let's get started, I suppose. Now hit record. Okay, let's get into it. So, Woo! James. Hello. Uh, hey. Hey. Hi. <laughs> hey, James. Hello. So, the, your past week, if you were to give your, your week, the week that you just lived through mm-hmm. in the your game. life, uh-huh. if you were to give it a, like a five-star rating. Ooh, five stars. Five stars. What okay. would you rate it? Well, what did I do this week? I had work, which was fun and very like mundane and fun and easy, which is good. I'm working with good people. I'm enjoying it. It's a new job. I'm maybe like just under a month into it. Mm-hmm. So, that's good. Uh, so that bit's pretty good. And then this weekend, it was my partner's birthday. Mm-hmm. So we went out and celebrated that. We ended up dancing at Circuit. Didn't think I would enjoy Circuit, but I really did. Because of your homophobia? Because I hate the gays. You hate the gays. Hate the gays. Mm-hmm. No, no, I just, you know me, I just hate moving my body in front of other people. It feels like everybody is a Farana. Farana? Farana. Farana. Great. Stephanie Farana, my friend. So I did that. <laughs> so I'm just trying to grasp the imagery. What are you suggesting your friend? When I dance, I am scared that people are all just watching like I'm a piece of meat. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. yeah, 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 yeah. And the meat that can't dance. Meat. Oh, so none of this is. There's no sexual. Oh stuff. fuck no! They're not Jesus. sex piranhas. They no, no, no. They are people whispering about wanting how bad to die because I'm bad at dancing. Yes. Right, right. But luckily there was enough alcohol to keep everybody happy, and we all had a boogie. Maybe cut this bit, but there was also some other stuff going that kept us all happy to go. Which was a Kesha Mega Mix. Kesha Mega Mix, of course. Which, of course, is slang for No, hard unfortunately, drugs. my antidepressants <laughs> stopped Kesha Mega Mix from working on me, so I wasn't able to do any of them, oh, but no. that's fine. So, yeah, so Circuit was good. Uh, so And um, it was my partner's 24th birthday, so I think I would give it, like, a 24 out of 5. A 24 out of 5. 24 out of 5 is a really good weekend. That's a lot of stars. It's a lot Great. of stars, yeah. Okay, cool. Jake, how was your week? What did you do? Where did My you go? Week. Who did you see? God, what did I do? I don't know. I went to a 21st the other day. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah why are you grasping your no, face? No, because it's like Vegas-themed, wasn't it? Was it was Vegas-themed. Yes. I fashioned a necklace out of playing cards. Mm. Chelsea took it off me. It was that good. I'm a jeweler now. Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea. Thanks, Chelsea. Mix. I like her a lot. Yeah. Yes. Um, that happened. We ended up at the beach. <laughs> what? In the nighttime? Ah, uh, it was a night beach. Nighttime adventure. beach? Yeah. It was a whole situation. That's a teen movie. It was so teen movie. Mm. Yep, we killed a guy. <laughs> oh my god, even better. Yeah, that's uh, teen horror movie. One. And there was like 20 of us, so that's a lot of people for this hooked man in this, I know, which you did last man. summer. Rem- 
I mean, I know, I know what you did last summer. Place. Oh, the hook. Yes, 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 yes. 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 That's my memory of it. <laughs> um, I've only ever watched like a review on YouTube of those movies, and they get progressively worse from what I hear. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to watch the remake, see, like TV series, and then oh, I didn't yeah. do it. <laughs> was that around the same time they did the Scream TV series? Uh, no, Scream happened a fair bit before this one did, and that Scream series was good. Pretty no good. one agrees with me. Season two is not as good, but season one was pretty good. Great. Yeah. Okay. Good. Which seems to be a trend. Uh, speaking of television, I've also started watching the new. Kill- I'm one of the seven people left still watching. Killing Eve. Oh, that's right, season four. Okay. Season, yes. Uh, it's gotten a lot worse. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, Here's a sexy lady. It's not terrific. Yeah, no, as yeah, as James, you were pointing out, and as I'm sure you, sweet, sweet listeners, have noticed as well, if you've watched any of Killing Eve, the soundtrack is pretty on the nose. Like, it's almost a, like, Suicide Squad <laughs> level of... Pardon? <laughs> like, it's pretty narrate It's yeah. pretty narrate in the way of, like, they'll be on a bridge or something, and then this song will come in, and it'll be like, We're on a bridge. <laughs> Murdering a man by choking him. Oh, it's Such Sandra O oh, wearing a coat. It's like, I um, wouldn't want Sandra O oh in anything. Though. Sandra O oh is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd probably give it, like, a 12 stars out of 5 oh. this past week. Um, I was listening to a on the way here I was listening to a new not a new musical but a new recording of a musical mm-hmm. called um, uh, R- Ride the Cyclone I think it's called okay and it's about so I, I just am obsessed with this musical because it's about unsafe meteorological decisions it's about unsafe roller coaster decisions it's a bit it reminds me of Hands on a Hard Body mm-hmm. it reminds me of a chorus line mm-hmm. it's very like so uh, one person steps forward and has a song and sings about their experience then the next person steps forward and sings about their experience okay so it's very like experience of Roller coasters. Roller coasters. So it's in this um, carnival. I don't know how much of this you want to keep in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's set in this carnival in Saskatchewan, and this choir comes there. And the whole the narrator is this. You know those. Um, I never know what they're called. The boxes at carnivals that have like the magical Zola who will read your fortune. Oh, the, the magical animatronic thing yeah, from Big. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Okay. Um, it, that's the narrator for the whole thing, who's falling apart, and he he, he says at the start, "I was designed to." predict the fortune of when people die, but they turn me on to family-friendly mode until now. Mm-hmm. And he's predicted this small choir coming in from a tiny town called Uranium City. Um, they come in and they die on a roller coaster, and he predicted it. And he says to them, I'm going to use the last of my power to send one of you back, but you need to prove to me which one of you deserves to be sent back to life before I die. It's cats. It's, it's cats. <laughs> oh it's really good. It's really good. I've been listening to it. It's the music's amazing. The uh, all the songs are just incredible. Like one of them I just listened to is like this uh, gay boy. Just his entire song. Instead of singing anything about his life, he sings about how much he wishes he was a French prostitute in the eighteen hundreds. Okay. There's one song where the it's not even a song. It's a talking track where the Zoloff character sort of says like, "Yes, this is the talking track that you will most likely skip in the recording." It's just very well done. Okay, and you and love I, some meta theatrics. I love you? a bit of meta theatrics. You love a bit of meta theatrics as well. What I realized as well while you were talking about that musical that I yeah. will listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> my cousin sister had a baby. Oh my I, god! So I think I need to up my star rating to maybe like a twenty-four. 13, twenty-four. A 24. I said twenty-four. 25 then to beat you. Fuck you. Price is right style. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cousin sister had a baby. Named it Amelia. That's which a good I'm name. Fine with. That's a great name. Right? That is a good name. There have been too many bad names in the world. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but Amelia's good. It. But yeah, no, she's done okay with that, I think. Could you shorten that to Amy? Amelia? Um, you can shorten it to Mia, which I learned from the Princess Diaries. Oh, of course, Princess of. Genovia. Of course, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, nice. Oh, which this same cousin sister, who has just had this baby named same Amelia, sister. she yes. literally <laughs> realized. Your cousin to... sister is your cousin. Mag, what are you talking about? I, I know that this title sister. makes it sound very white trashy, but we were like raised like siblings, but she's technically my cousin. So she. Oh, okay. Yeah. Had this baby, named it Amelia. Yep. yep. Like the Princess Diaries. Of course. This same woman, who now has two children, realised two weeks ago that Genovia is not a real place. I don't know how many people think Genovia is real, because I've heard this more than once. Yeah. Like, people genuinely believe Genovia is real. Mm, I'm okay. not sure. That's I need to ask funny. Julie Andrews when I next talk to yeah, her. Yeah, could you? When oh you talk God. about the sound of music next? Going to an evening with Julie Andrews was one oh. of the nicest e- like, times of my life. Oh, for a second I thought you meant you just had an evening with Julie Andrews. Where was that? Was that region? It was like the Hamer Hall or something. Oh, the Hamer Hall. The Hamer Hall. Hall of Hamer. Yes. Yeah. Well, I went to an evening with Bernadette Peters at the Regent Theatre. Mm. Similar vibes. Like these women are just incredible. I would mm. watch them shit on a stage, and I would love it <laughs> because I'm sexy. Like I just that. love rich ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I love rich ladies. Yeah, even like when I yeah went to Nigella Lawson live, I was like, oh, I know nothing about this lady, but she right. said all these profound things about like food and memory. I was oh, like, and also you're the way a she says words. I'm like, not to keep talking about Nigella Lawson, of whom I know very very little. But during the question and answer portion mm. of the Nigella Lawson thing, not to publicly shame anybody, but a gentleman got up. 
and like stood at the microphone like a man from the audience and he was Ooh. like hey Nigella uh, did you know that there's, there's like this like weird cacao ingredient that makes chocolate taste good and Nigella's like what, what the, the fuck, fuck are you talking about? Yes, <laughs> I'm that's Nigella, what chocolate I'm goddamn Lawson. And then she shot him in the head. It was, like, <laughs> was very interesting moment when he like felt the whole audience shift in their seats with this very like this man is mansplaining food, food to, Nigella to Nigella Lawson. Nigella Lawson. But yeah, okay, that's our week. Sorted. That's a great week. Great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was top notch. Amelia now exists, and you know, cats the carnival ride. <laughs> Okay, so I saw a play. Oh my god! <laughs> Classic me. Huge news. Went to a play by myself. That's fine. That's Do it. New. <laughs> no, it's my favorite. Front and center. Don't know anyone. No. Alone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I went alone to a play. The JQ um, at the MC showroom in Peru. Oh, true, 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 true. Yes, which I really like. It has a hole in the roof. It's great. It's got a. I, it's got a hole in the roof. <laughs> it does. Yeah, like a little one. Like it's. Yeah. You, you sit in the front row. You look up to your right, and it's just like there. You can see the roof. You can see the um sky. I believe you, but honestly, every time I go to that place, the whole like performance space looks different. It's a gr- oh, you're totally right. It's so a really, really I don't know if it's there. even made of wood. <laughs> Maybe it's a Maybe state it's of mind. Maybe it's made of something else. I'm not an architect. I'm a plumber's son. We're and not you. here to talk about <laughs> architecture. <laughs> not my way here. Yeah. Anyway, went to the MC showroom in Paran to see music by Jane Bodie. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's called Music. It's written by Jane Bodie, directed by Zachary Dixon. Yeah. It was a really good time. I enjoyed it. Great. Um, front row. The of course I went front row. Fabulous. Um, front row. And the women at the box office were incredible. They were just enthusiastic. Oh, yeah? I got there too early, and they coped with it really well. So I sat there. I sat in the, and this will not become a pattern hopefully. But I sat in this this waiting area. The pattern that I'm concerned about existing is that then I had this couple Sorry, wedding day. area or waiting area. Waiting area. Okay, good, good. Yeah. I didn't get married. <laughs> Never will. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, this waiting area, which was also lovely, just like a set of like cabaret tables where you sit and wait for the doors to the theatre to open. Is that place where they have the art on the walls as well? Literally no clue. Okay. I don't know. Oh, I do. Cool. Again, every time I go to this this venue, it feels different to me. Sure. So I can't pin down anything. It is a bit twisty and windy up the stairs. Carry on. For all I know, I get to the front door, someone bogs me on the head with a saucer and then I imagine my experience. <laughs> yeah, have a mushroom. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was waiting there and then there's like this lovely kind of like... I don't know, 40-something couple came in, and because I had nothing else to do but sit there and, you know, oh, read the program for the 12th okay. time, I had to overhear, like, got to overhear their, like, cute conversation where they were talking with these other people that turned up that they didn't really know, know very well, mm. um, and so I just was just accidentally eavesdropping on them, talking about how they recently seen an MTC show, but now they were trying to, like, support independent theatre. Oh! Um, and, yeah, people in the future, don't worry that I'm listening to your conversations and then we'll relay all the details to everybody. Even though that's literally what we're doing on this But podcast. I'm literally <laughs> just saying that I appreciated getting a, a real real-time, real-life insight into people that are used to seeing MTC shows, yep. but now they're at the MC showroom seeing something Spread that, that MTC has, like, money around. In it, yeah. you know? Bring it in. So the show was made by Talking Candle Productions, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know heaps about. I follow them on Instagram, and I think you should as well, because they seem like really sort of like cute sweet people. Like, nice. something that really took me and the reason that I saw this show at random, because I really don't know anyone... Like, the director and I follow each other on Instagram, but I've never met him in real life. I don't think this is, yeah, the work that they've recently put together. And yeah, their, their Instagram presence just made it seem like, oh, what a what a sweet bunch of people putting on a show that they That's care about. Nice. Super nice, which is always such a nice energy. And yeah, one of the, you know, wonderful things. One of, one of the wonderful things about independent theatre. Yeah, we do It's like, oh, let's just get together and like make a little community that tells the story that we care about. And that's what we're here to talk about. Oh, into each other. Oh, uh, yeah, so went in and then, oh my God, I'm not going to walk you through every single piece <laughs> Could of you, what so this... Could you, because so far you're in the foyer <laughs> and now you're up the stairs. I'll let you know. <laughs> so motion. I sat down in my seat. So I, yeah, got there. I'll let you know what the play is first. So it's like, it's described by the playwright Jane Bodie. Music. As being, it's called music. Okay. And she said this, that she wanted to explore people's perceptions of mental illness along with the fine line between being well and ill. Sure. I also wanted to expose how sometimes we exploit fragility, glamorize it for the sake of art. I'd like to hope I've authentically dramatized many of the negative symptoms of a mental illness. Which I think is a cool thing to say. That's a cool thing to say. It's a That's big a cool thing, thing to say, say, I think. Yes, it is a big thing to, big say. Thing to say. Yeah, go Jane. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then I get in there, sit in the front row by myself, and then, uh, the set's cute. It's like it's made out of just kind of like some hanging frames that construct this, like, little apartment that the, the oh. lead character lives in, which is kind of nice. And, yeah, but... There's a guy set on stage. Ben Smalley, who, uh, I'll just, spoiler alert, he's fantastic. Gorgeous. Was preset on stage, like, sitting in his little couch in this apartment where his character lives. And uh, I was really, like, <laughs> for some reason, intellectually in my mind, I hear someone say, someone was preset on stage in the cast. Like, someone's on stage when you walk in. And I'm like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Don't do that, you dumb bitch. Yeah, Moulin Rouge, no. <laughs> oh, that's slow motion French walking. Yes, uh, people going, I'm French and rich. Yes, yes. Um... But yeah, no, yeah, that part of my brain, that, that theatre critic part of my brain, um, was just like, don't ever do that. But mm. then I was so captivated 
And it wasn't just like a funneling effect because I had no one next to me to talk to. <laughs> it Does was like, though. so Ben Smalley is sitting in this couch in this like nicely constructed set apartment thing. And he's sitting on this couch, seemingly acting sort of like neutrality, acting someone sitting alone in their apartment. Mm. And because that's such an interesting thing, like that's so odd and private, watching him do it on stage for essentially uh, 10 to 15 minutes just while I'm like just watching him do this with the rest of the audience as they file in. Captivating. Oh, real testament to who he is as an actor. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, for sure. No, <laughs> there, there, there's certainly something electrically interesting about this man, but that as like an artistic choice, for whatever yep. reason they did it, I appreciated it because that is a memorable piece of theatre. Um, right. That, that it's I a enjoyed. solid start. It's a solid start. Very solid start. Anyway, yeah, now we'll whiz through it. So yeah, no, it was a good time. Oh, I good that it. we we really focused <laughs> on the lead up, but now we're going to skip I assume the that's what Jane wanted me to focus on. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's about Ben's character who has a mental illness. Is Ben's character's name music? Uh, no. Okay, no. Uh, <laughs> For my check. Uh, no, but that's a good question. Thank no. you so much. Uh, his name was Adam. And uh, yeah, mental illness. And then two actors come along that want to interview him because one of the two actors is playing a mentally ill person in a play that the two actors are performing in coming up and so as Jane sort of described in the, the program statement that I just read it's about them getting to know Adam and then drawing upon what he shares with them to inform their performances right and yeah proceeds that's to a nifty sort of, setup it's a nifty setup it's a, and that's part of what in addition to them seeming charming on Instagram yep. part of what got me to this show was the idea of the exploitation that's possible when trying to embody real experiences in art and engaging with truth and fiction in that way yeah and I feel like also that sort of that, I feel like that theme ties in a lot to some of the work that you make in terms of relationships between writers and performers. Sure, that's, totally. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'd say yeah, so. Yeah, all right. Yeah, but it was great. It was a really strong cast. I enjoyed watching them all do things. William Schofield, um, who played the actor that's getting to know Adam, mm -hmm. um, had that as a real, like, super watchable guy, very, like, mid-twenties leading man energy. Like, oh, a very course. reliable, like, oh, this guy is a real everyman that I could watch get up to some mischief. And West he proceeds story. to get mischievous. He's really great. great. Manieza Martinez. Just, it was the sort of thing where it's like, you know when you get settled into a show, and you're like, okay, this is going well. I'm getting familiar with it. And then a new person walks in, and it's like, oh, I ah. could. I didn't know I wanted a new character, but I wanted one. Because right. she walks in, and it's like, how refreshing. Oh, great, so, yeah, great. That's, that's a really nice include. Three yeah. of them? Just three? No, no. There was also David Bernstock as well, who similarly... Oh. Delightful, charming, and talented. Sure. Um, yeah. But anyway, things proceed to happen. There's a bunch of conversations in a row. Let me get hung up on one detail. Go on. <laughs> I am ready. There was a functioning hot plate in the set. James Hardy. Hot plate? A hot plate. Hot plate. Not just a plate that had been in the oven. Oh, you mean a like, like, a, like, a, like a stove top? Like if I wanted to make a stir fry. No. I could go to music by <laughs> James Bowie. Yep, while the show isn't on, and I could sell. Or while the show is on, even. Sorry, I could, excuse me, I'm, I'm very so sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, what? Is it like gas or. Like... In the apartment that they built as the huh. set, which was also designed by Zachary Dixon, uh -huh. there was a functioning hot plate, and during the show, cooking occurred, and a stir fry oh. got made, and a stir fry got eaten. Why isn't the show called Food? That's a terrific, not stupid question. Thank you very much. I'm very smart. <laughs> That's. Does that mean they had, like, a little, was it like a little portable gas? That's my understanding. Huh. Yes. That's know. a real testament to um, them trying to make it... Re what? Because the rest of the set was a frame, you say. <laughs> I do say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you. you investigative journalist. Yes. <laughs> well, um, now, hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. No, but that's the thing. Yeah, no, it was like a, just a very like sweet, strange like inclusion that I really appreciated because it was just another thing of like your brain to chew on and yeah. be very impressed by. Like, oh, you don't often see cooking on stage. You do not often see it. No, no, you do not. No. So William walks into this man's home and says, I'm going to cook you a stir fry. Is that the vibe? Sort of, yeah. Okay, that's, that's very cute. Mm, that's yeah. nice. It was nice. And then it sort of all explodes at the end. You know, as plays want to do. My goodness. There's a big like, yeah, explosion at the end. What's, what's the explosion at the end? Are we allowed to talk about that or do we? Um, well, the play's closed. So, so let's also, talk about knowing the ending of a play shouldn't stop you from enjoying it. Adam um, reads the script that one of the actors leaves behind and is upset by the portrayal of the character that his real life is like, intended to inspire. And that there's there's blood and there's angry staring. There's blood. Um, but again, yeah, I really came away from it feeling like a, a bunch of stuff. One of the largest of them being Ben Smalley is... I'm really into his performance ability. Great. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I think Sounds he's great. Um, yeah, no. And he's also in a band. Like, he's just a multifaceted oh. man. So, sorry, music. Was there music in the show? There was music throughout the show. Um, why was it called? Why would you think it was called music? What there was, was a music? lot towards the end about what music is. Yeah, but music honestly isn't a thing that I came away from thinking very hard about. Oh, okay. Music, music, lowercase m, I, yeah, isn't the thing that I left reflecting upon. Um, but it was in there, and I think a different person would... 
uh, yeah, zero in on that more so. But yeah, I was more in it for the, like the characters and, yeah, sure. and what they said to each other. Um, it was interesting to see some conversations that really strayed into. I'm sure they're very deliberately banal. Like sometimes it was like, yeah. oh, I'm much like me in the foyer. I'm eavesdropping on a conversation, and I don't necessarily find the entire thing fascinating. But, but it feels I'm happy to spend some time with these people. That's really yeah. nice. Um, so are you the sort of person, because I personally sometimes really nitpick when the title doesn't make sense. Are you that sort of person? Do you person? have an example of when that's happening? Music, apparently. Um, I guess like Summer of the 17th Doll or 16th Doll, which one is it? 17th Doll. 17th Doll. I seem to remember being like, why? Because every time he comes back, he brings a doll. Maybe I don't remember. Maybe I was very <laughs> sleepy when I watched that show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cut that. Cut that. I'm smart. No, no, I swear. you're stupid and people should know. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. we saw Jagged Little Pill. We did. We did. Um, at the Comedy Theatre. We did. With Natalie Bassingthwaite. Yes, yes. As the titular Pill. Yeah, Jagged Little Pill. Jagged Little Pill. The Alanis Morissette Jukebox Musical. Now, I've got to go ahead and preface this with, I hear Jukebox Musical and my brain shuts down. I hate the sound of a Jukebox Musical. I just hear Jukebox Musical and I just is think... Is this because you've been scarred? I've because... been scarred in the past. Okay. I just think this is bad. It's like, part because part of my brain says... All you've done is taken songs that are already existing and you're writing a story to fit it. And I feel like so often that's just going to be a subpar story. Sure. Because you're trying to string together. And I think is evidenced by there is a moment in Jagged Little Pill with um, Ironic, mm. which it, where it is, the, the song is just shoehorned in because it's a poem that one of them wrote. And that just felt a bit eh. And okay. that's what I mean. I think like, um, what was it? We Will Rock You is a really great example of that. Songs are really fun, mm -hmm. uh, but the story's it's just not a thing. It's okay, so sure. cringy to watch. Okay. I think. But with that in mind, I went into Jagged Little Pill fully ready to hate it. I did. Okay. And I fucking loved it. Great. Absolutely loved it. So my it. brain is still hung up on your We Will Rock You situation. Oh, sure. Because of what it illuminated for me about your desire when you see a musical or a show or something. Because mm. it sounds like what you're saying, which I get, is the idea that a story that's getting told should, unlike, unlike We Will Rock You, which from memory... All I remember is Casey Donovan is from space and has some confusing mission in mind. Yep, and Patrick Cook's a great dancer. Patrick Cook is a great dancer. Yeah. That, we will rock you, yeah, that you saying that the, the, the story and the book of the musicals just starts feeling like them, the, the, you know, the book writers and the makers of the work. How can we figure out How can we connect the in? right dots in yep. order to provide enough ingredients for yep. the songs to then be narratively relevant? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. I yes. mean, like... Which is a feeling that I relate to, and this is maybe a very esoteric comparison to make. Go on. But there's an episode of Glee where <laughs> Mercedes <laughs> is the focal point of a Dreamgirls number. Yes. That yes, I remember the episode. only relevant if they piece together, like, if they direct enough of the narrative elements in a direction where all oh, of the characters that get incorporated into the Dreamgirls number have something relevant to chime in with. So they almost have to create this mirror world yeah, that's where they just like the Dreamgirls dynamics, which is quite a tapestry to weave, and then you start realising, oh my, I've been tricked? You've been as, tricked? As that's the one where they all go, times they're all like, ah, you but, should know, and yeah, you like, did it. Fuck you, Mercedes. Yeah, you don't understand. Right. I remember, that, I rem and I remember thinking, this episode feels disjointed. And I was worried Jagged Little Pill was going to be like that. Sure. But it's not. Sure. Right. Which is, I feel, a testament to Alanis Morissette's music because that album Because feels... going into it, how much did you care about Alanis Morissette? Oh, uh, not not a huge amount, but I liked, like, some of her songs. Mm -hmm. Like, I love I, I love Reasons Reasons I Drink. I just do. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a great song. Um, and obviously, you know, um, fucking You Are Now. Um, but I've been listening to the album recently, um, Jack and Little Pill. Yeah. And I love her. Mm, great. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a testament to how she her music sort of tells a story naturally mm -hmm. so that it wasn't too much of a hassle to sort of make it work narratively. Whereas We Will Rock You was just like, let's get some real good songs and then just make it work. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot of the reason I really love Jagged Little Pill was Nat Bass. Sure. Like it just, it, she's just, an, she's a powerhouse. Yeah. She's okay. Well, yes, let's first off just be like, okay, so the story of Jagged Little Pill mm. essentially is like, so it's like an upper middle class family. There's yep. a mother and a father yep. and an adopted daughter and a, like a handsome son. Yeah. And then the four of them kind of have a different, they all have like different journeys that kind of like, they've all got the their own stuff other. going on. They've all got stuff going on. And there's like one, like I'll call it a criticism just because that's how the people that explained this to me framed it. But some people think that there's too many storylines kind of like crammed I'm, into the piece. I'm one of those people. James is one of those people. Absolutely. Yep. Um, because yeah, all four of these characters get fairly like similar stage time and have a lot to get through. Yes. Um, and there's even, like, you know, peripheral characters that also have a lot to go through as Arguably well. Arguably one of them has the most important storyline in the show. Sure. Um, yeah, um, and it's just, yeah. it, it, it did at some point feel like, oh my god, it's just, which one do we, what are we meant to focus on here? Sure. Um, yeah, it, it did feel very, like, 
it did almost feel like they were trying to tick the boxes of every social political issue they could. Sure. I mean, on the flip side, I enjoyed it being like stuffed full of things because yep. it meant that I was never getting bored. Yep. Not that I'm prone to, but it was like, oh, there's more stuff going on. Yep. I'm never going to be the person to be like, there's too much. It was like, there is never too much. Show sure. me as much as you want to show yep. me and I'll put it in my damn mouth. Yeah. I've got, I've got to say, I, I really appreciated how it did just talk about the issues. Like, it, 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 it didn't shy away from a lot. Sure. But having said that, I do feel like going in, if I had been sort of like, I don't know, prone to any sort of um, previous experiences. I feel like I would have been a little bit uh, triggered. You know, oh, you're, you know what I mean? You're talking about trigger warnings. I'm talking about trigger warnings okay. now. Um, sorry to move the conversation on. No, very that's fine. Rapidly. That's allowed. <laughs> yeah. I just um, thought it struck me. I just, I don't know. I just don't remember seeing any sort of trigger warnings going in. Sure. Um, and I just feel like, because the show discusses sexual abuse, it discusses drug abuse, it discusses like racial abuse, all these things. Sure. And um, I just sort of felt oh, wow, I am very lucky that I'm just, you know, a vaguely upper-class white guy, you know? <laughs> you consider yourself upper-class. Wow, why did I say upper-class? <laughs> I don't know, I mean, you are sitting on a big white horse at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you over the horse! <laughs> no, um, you, you know what I mean, middle-class. Like, compared to a lot of people, I'm very well off. So sure. I'm yeah. able to sit and watch this show and have no issues. But um, I just feel like... If... Sure. That's not sort of a class issue, that's more of a, like, a personal experience yes, issue. Yes, I know. Yeah. People are ripping me no, to no, shreds not, on no, live television. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> cut this out, I want to sound smart. Uh, yeah, I just feel, I don't know, I think there should have been stronger trigger warnings. Sure. That's my personal... That's fair. Okay, you want to talk about trigger warnings. Okay, if, whenever trigger warnings get discussed, I always seem callous. You so do, get you ready, always seem callous. Get ready to hate Jake. If you don't already, <laughs> you're going to hate him. Cancel him. I, for one, thought there was like there were trigger warnings on the internet and at the venue. Mm. There were enough trigger warnings for me to survive. When, when it comes to me and trigger warnings, yep. my relationship with them is thus. That if there's anything... Like, there's th there's absolutely things that trigger me. There's things that render me kind of, like, emotionally incapable of budging. Like, I have my own experience with things that trigger me. As we all do. I mm. think my own personal experience with this and my, you know, ongoing perspective is if there's something that... If, if it comes up in a piece of theatre that you're watching that renders you sort of incapable of continuing to be a comfortably functional person, mm. the onus is kind of on you to take care of yourself and yeah. to protect your boundaries and your emotional safety and your mental welfare. And I know that not everyone knows the triggers that they have. I've been surprised by myself in the past as well. But if there's something that you know will throw your mind off or, or do some damage to you, I think it's your job to research the art that you're going to experience and protect yourself in that way. And you can't be waiting for productions or for other sure. people to yeah. protect you from these things. I, 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 I definitely agree that there's definitely an onus on people to sort of look after themselves. Yes. I think that's really smart and true. But I just... I don't know. I think if we talk about trying to make theatre accessible to everybody, mm. I just think it's literally just printing off a sign and putting it on the door. Even if it just says... If, if you think you have trigger warnings, just ask. But again, there were signs them. at this performance. Where? That, uh, near the doors. I did not see them. Sure. But again, if you if, if you know you're triggered by things, the website, for whatever it is, if they're responsible artists, which a lot of people mm. are, the information will be available to you. Yeah. You know? And it's, again, it comes to me back to the thing, too, of, like, art, especially theatre, is intended to evoke a response inside of sure. you. Sure. Th th that's kind of the intent. And the, the reason that a lot of people go to the theatre or experience art or watch television is because they want to feel things that their real life isn't providing them with the chance to feel. You yeah. know, it's meant to evoke things inside of you. And some of those things are going to be hard to deal with. I think, But I think they need to pick their audience because this one, Jagged Little Pill, comedy theatre, it's a big scale musical. You know, I feel like most of the audience going to see this were people we were sitting next to, like middle-aged mm. mums and like, like you know, people out for a good night. Totally. Oh my God, I'm not advocating for people getting hurt. No, I'm just no, saying I know that. that. Yeah, in, yeah. In, my, in the last few days while thinking about this issue, because people are talking about it and I completely respect the opinions that I'm hearing, I agree with a lot of what people are saying and respect whatever people's experiences and truths are. You know? Don't cancel me. Don't <laughs> feel whatever you want to feel. This yeah, is just yeah. me saying totally, this. Yeah. This is how I feel. And this, again, this may change. It just feels as if it's almost like a food allergy. Like you, yeah, it's okay. on you to be like, if you can't eat pine nuts, you need to, if you go to a restaurant, you let the waiter know you can't eat pine nuts. Beforehand, you read the mm. menu and you're like, are there enough things here for me to be able to eat without yeah. having to worry about pine nuts? And even if you think, like, you need to take care of yourself and be careful of what you're putting in your own body because people, like, the people around you shouldn't really be expected to do that for you. For they you. need to give you the information, but you need to know what it takes for you not to die. Yeah, the allergy, um, allergies is a good way of putting it. That's just where my mind Yeah, no, that's moment. smart. Um, oh god, I was going to say something, but it's gone. Quick. And it's also as well, too, of like the thing, if there's something that cripples you to that extent, 
and I, I don't mean to sound flippant or dismissive, but mm. it's like maybe you need to sit theater out for a bit or just go to works that you feel particularly safe seeing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, because I even just think like one time I was going through like it was like the day after a really horrendous breakup of mine, and I wanted to go and see a show of a friend of mine. Um, Joe Brown had written a piece about a breakup that was, oh. my understanding was, God. it was like what like a, a man and a woman breaking up for the first half of the play, and then the second half of the play was that they swapped roles, like they swapped lines. So in one scene, it was like oh. the boy breaking up with the girl, and then the next half was the girl breaking up with the boy. And I was set to see this show, Jesus. and I got you would have been to the event. I got to Monash where it was happening, and I was like, Jake. You can't see this. You can't do that. What the fuck? And as much as I wanted to support Joe, it was like, I don't want to explode yeah. in this theatre. You know? <laughs> I mean, I would have wanted to see that. Um, oh my um, goodness. That's such, there's such an interesting marrying of your life and art um, happening at the same time. I, I was going to say, I think, for me, I think the big thing with trigger warnings is, like you said earlier, a lot of people don't know when they have a trigger. So totally. I think I think it's less an issue, maybe it's less an issue of people signposting the triggers and more... It's le- it's more an issue if people aren't educated in a way to recognise their triggers. Totally, and that's but that's that's that's, that's, that's not theatre. That's, that's psychologist. You're absolutely that's right. No, I just sort of walk myself. It reminds me of a funny that time we did um, Boys Have Skin, which is a play which we did a play about that gay Jake witches. Wrote. So Jake wrote this play, Boys Have Skin, gay witches, uh, and someone made a comment that saw the show. There were no trigger warnings about witchcraft. There was no trigger warnings about like supernatural something. There, my memory of this, yeah. is someone came and they were like. There were no trigger warnings. I don't think what they were triggered by was the witchcraft. They were triggered by something else. And me, being a younger artist, was a bit sort of irritated because I oh. didn't... And I've changed my mind on this, of course. Yeah. But I, my, my I mind was you... like, oh, come on. <laughs> it was something <laughs> like, like... I don't know. It was like sexual content or something. It was like... Oh, was it? I think it was something to do with... That. Yeah, I think it was something like sexual. And the person was like, I would have appreciated a warning. Mm. Um and I was like, absolutely fair enough. But at the same time, I was also like, come on. Like, again, this is very like early 20s, like yeah. a playwright who just wants to be understood. Yes. Um, and it was like, okay, then if they want to be warned about that, let's warn them about everything. everything. And so I printed off this A4 sheet of like, it was about 20 warnings for people if they wanted to read the content. Including, including There is witchcraft. Oh, there completely. is mention of fire. There is like all these things. And, uh, Which arguably is not a bad idea. Arguably, <laughs> I'm still on the. Of the like, sh- but surely people want more warnings rather than, than fewer of them. Yep, yep. But, yeah, but I certainly. Oh, I remember yeah. that story very differently then. Okay, I see what happened. Yeah, that's oh, my memory of it. Anyway, but yeah, but I, honestly, I cannot talk about Jack a Little Pill without talking about. First off, I've never. I've. It's been so long. I don't think I've ever felt the way that I felt watching oh, the show. The we way were that I felt. we were flabbergasted at the end of Act One. Oh my god, absolutely floored. It was insane. Yeah, the end of Act One is even just like all the character, like the actors coming out one at a time. Obviously, as their characters coming out <laughs> one at a time, just filling the empty stage with their bodies while singing Alanis Morissette, and they're all at different angles. And it was devastating. Yeah. And the snow starts to fall, and yes. there was nothing else on stage. No, which I think is honestly a credit to Diablo Cody, who oh, wrote god. Juno and the book of the musical. He's getting goosebumps. Yeah. Um. Because, and this is part of why I appreciated how overstuffed it was with, like, conversations sure. and whatnot. Because these characters came on stage, and it was that, and the music, and the snow falling gently upon them. And it was like, I do care about a lot of these people. And I, my emotions are being touched in a way mm. that haven't been touched this and way. And also, I care and, about yeah. these issues. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was like, why am I being moved by this? And I think, obviously, we've got to acknowledge this, the fact that they were all such incredible singers. Like, that, that last... That last song of Act One was absolutely astounding. Sure. Like, vocally. Yeah. I will say there was a lot of dancing in that show. There was a lot of dancing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a dance guy. You no. would say too much. I, I would, would say too much. You're saying too much. But it's I'm mostly, a, you uh, won't be able to see this, but you might hear it. It's mostly like, like a lot of crumping. Did you hear James damaging that chair irreparably? <laughs> um, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm not a super dance literate person. No. Um, I come from a Rocker Stedford background, so I, I like understand Which the power. you remind me at every turn. Of course, I, I understand the power of lyrical dance. Mm. Um, I, I didn't need it to further my understanding of what the emotional experience of the characters was. That dance, the, the I don't want to spoil anything in the show, mm. but there's a there's a dance towards the end which sort of emulates... Um, a, I guess a seizure, I guess a, a, a passing out episode, a drug overdose, and remember. On Are you the talking couch... about the Bessingthwaite couch scene? Yes, James, the best scene in the, the show. The best scene in the show, and it was just Natalie Bass and this incredibly talented dancer just writhing on this couch while this other character is standing in the background. It was just. I left my body. Literally one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. And part of it was the fact that it was Natalie Bassingthwaite. Yes, Part of it was the fact that Natalie Bassingthwaite, Mm -hmm. Australian icon who needs more applause. Rogue traders. Just on this couch, dancing with this dancer, and then another character whose journey in the piece is 
phenomenally handled, I think, yep. really well handled. It just, it was just like a, like, she's just singing uninvited and being captivating. Yeah. And part of it was the fact that what a brave lady and what a commitment to her craft that this woman is dancing on a couch. Mm. And she was something that going for it. Even like the idea of someone turning to you and be like, okay, you're going to have to be on this couch, ride around, singing uninvited, which is a difficult song to yeah. nail. Um, and then go into a drug overdose afterwards. It's like, that is a hefty undertaking. That's a lot to do. And, and she And could did be it. terrible. Especially when they're also like, and there'll also be a woman dancing as if she's kind of like your inner demons on you as she well. She was dressed like, she was wearing like the wig and she yes. was dressed exactly like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Astounding. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think the last thing that I want to say about Jack a Little Pill, incredible piece of theatre. Mm. Um... That again shook us both so much. Yeah. Like I came out of it, and we sort of like ran into friends of ours who were ushers in that building, and they were like, "Are you two both just super drunk?" And I was like, "No, no. I am just <laughs> flabbergasted. I am just in pieces because yeah. that art blew my damn mind." Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the last thing that I want to say about Jack and Little Pill was the the scenes that were just like plays, like the scenes that were just mm. talking oh. to each other were gripping. Then that's what I mean. It was a good story. Yeah. The story that combined these songs was so good, and the the. The scene between Nat Bass and that girl, you know the one I mean. Oh just, my god. Yeah. There were so many little moments that really made that show. And the last thing that I would want to say is like, this was a show at the Comedy Theatre, like the Mariner Group. Like this is a big main stage production. Mm. To see art that is that uh, engaging and discussing such interesting ele- like themes is so refreshing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's not your Moulin Rouge. It's not your Cursed Child. They're incredible performers, but I just, I think that's a bit more blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And this was just something that was so much more, ooh, Oh, this is gritty. This is oof. yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, for a musical to to be so touching. Yeah. And to be so touching. yeah. Hey James. <laughs> hey James. Hey James. Hey James. I just. Hey James. I I went to the theater. You did. I did. I did. No. Uh, yeah. I went Hello? to the theater. I went. No, I went with my friend Haley. Oh, Haley. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I went to the. Th- she's blonde. I went to the theater. Did you? With blonde Haley. Blonde Haley. Oh, blonde friend Haley. And yeah, I saw Lenore. Lenore <laughs> was the name of the play. The subtitle of it is "A Tale of Mournful and Never Ending Remembrance." It's okay. I'm sti- so sorry to interrupt you there. Go ahead. It should be a tale of Le Mournful. I feel like these people aren't really going for the puns so much okay. as they're going for yeah, the we're coming something from else. Places. We're coming <laughs> Carry on, sorry. Um, written by Stephen T. Boltz and Amy Hollow, and it's presented, well, it's produced by the Knack Theatre. Do um, I just repeat the um, so not the brief, the tagline, because I absolutely... Lenore, a tale of mournful and never-ending remembrance. Oh my god. By Stephen T. Boltz and Amy <clears throat> Hollow, presented by Cracked Actors Theatre, and produced by the Knack Theatre. Cracked Actors? C- Cracked Actors Theatre. Which is a venue... So there's a Cracked Actors Theatre oh. near, like, Albert Park Lake. I had no idea about this magical venue. What's it like? It's the best. Really? So I went, so yeah, Blonde Haley and I, we had dinner at a pub. I had a chicken schnitzel. Oh my god. <laughs> Important detail, write it down, we had a schnitzel we'll be on the before test. we saw a show as well. Chicken before theatre. Not a schnitzel. Couldn't Chookers, be as they say. They do. Um, so yeah, Haley and I were almost late. <laughs> because we misunderstood you ate too geography. Much too much chicken. I prioritised chicken when I shouldn't have. As my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we were almost late because yeah, and we found this theatre just like propped up by the lake. We go up this staircase, a lovely usher um, welcomed us in. And then we went inside, and so it's just this, like, wonderful staircased building. You go inside, and there's just this, this very, like, wide, rather deep theatre space. It's this black box theatre. Oh, nice. Maybe, like, ten rows of raked seating. Yeah. And we sat there, and then Lenore started. And we didn't know what we were getting, because, again, oh, yeah, we'll do, I'll do full disclosure any time that I know someone involved with a show, so yep. you know where the bias is coming yeah, from. Yeah, nice, yeah. Because that little sidebar, that's an issue I have. Go on. <laughs> with... Theatre reviewing is when you've got a chum oh, yeah. who wants to review a show. Yep. And they know a bunch of people in the show. That should not be allowed. It should, well, just, yeah, as a cold, angry spectator to that practice, yeah. I feel like, you're not going to talk shit about your no. friends. No! And also, there's the inbuilt thing, too, of, like, if you start talking shit about really anybody, who's going to want you to come to their show? Anyway, if we're treating, the, if we're treating these reviewers as, like, the arbiters of all knowledge that we know them to be, <laughs> um, it should be treated like a jury. <laughs> you know, like, if you know someone in the show that closely, you shouldn't be allowed to professionally review the show. <laughs> if you say so. I think so. That's a fair perspective. I, I'm still of the belief we just don't need reviewers. That's I, my Oh, stance. I think kill reviewers. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, we need to talk in steps. You know, defund the reviewers. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so we sit there and then Lenore starts. Lenore. We have no idea what's going to happen. All I know is, I'll give you an idea of what. Because I'm imagining, like, a red-headed Irish woman singing country music. That's fair enough. Lenore is a very red-headed yeah. name. Um, Lenore. So it's like inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Raven, 
which I was first exposed to in that Simpsons episode where Homer naturally. plays the character naturally, naturally, yeah. and Bart plays the Raven and it says Nevermore a lot of times. That's a good episode. It's a great episode, and I love Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe's fantastic. Um, it's inspired. I'm reading off the program now. Inspired yep. by Edgar A. Edgar A. Poe's The Raven, which tells of a talking Raven's mysterious visit to a distraught lover. So what the play does? Oh, Lenore. Yeah, okay. Lenore. So the yep. Lenore is the woman in yes, the in Raven. The poven, in the, the poem. In the poem. The poven. In the poven. <laughs> um, so it's like an imagined, uh, to some extent, it's an imagined thing. So the play starts, yep. and we get treated to sort of the whole cast is on stage. There's, there's like six of them. Oh. Yeah, and six of them, and they're on stage in this like living room setup. And the, the Grellan Poe is there. As in the character Edgar Allan Poe? Or? The ca- uh, no, they revived Shut up, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> As in, the character is Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, yeah, so Aidan okay. McHarg plays Edgar Allan Poe. Lovely, great. Um, and yeah, so Edgar Allan Poe talking to this group of, like, it's like a couple, and yeah, and the, the, the mother, there's just like a, a collection of people that they, he's in the living room of, being sure. like, I'm Edgar Allan Poe. How good am I? Are they and like dressed in old timey Edgar Allan Poe? Okay, sure. I love the period piece. Full disclosure, I know one of the cast members. His oh. name is Sebastiano Petruzzello. That's a great name. Such a good name. Yeah. I need to flag that he's also one of the most handsome people I've ever seen. You know a lot of handsome people. I, but I mean, he I'm ranks among them. Am I, am <laughs> um, I one of yeah, them? he's just so charming and great. Am Again, I one of them? Are you what? One of the handsome people. You're a person I know. Oh, oh diplomatic. Um, yeah, super talented. Um, anyway, so that that's that's right. my full disclosure bit of, moment. Bit of of, bias. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's my bias going. Good in. enough. But I think Sebastiano is incredible and hot. <laughs> and oh god, when you say it, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's Edgar Allan Poe saying a poem to this group of collected people in a living room, and then them being like, "Edgar Allan Poe, you're so good at poems." And then <laughs> the <laughs> great theater. Then uh, yeah, the, the young woman in the space, uh, played by Bridget Morrison is sort of like, oh, I love your poems too. I've also got this idea for like the backstory of Lenore from The Raven, from the, the poem The Raven. Sure. And then that 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 is the framing device. And oh. then we dive into this this woman's imagined, imagined world of, world of who yeah, Lenore nice. is. Oh, and so like. then, yeah, right. So that then all these good. actors then play characters in the story that gets told with Edgar Allan Poe still playing Edgar Allan Poe. Of course. In the top okay. story. Yep, yep, you know? yep, yep, of course, yep. Edgar Allan Poe. So it's a show within a show, sort of vibe. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but not really because it's not a show in the show. It's more of like a like a story inside of it's a play. story within a story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Again, I'm not gonna yeah get too hard into the plot, but it's like this wonderful thing. First off, I love a period piece mm. because ah uh, because it just allows <laughs> you to forget about so many extraneous things, and it almost to a level even more so than any piece of theater is. It just becomes this sort of like sea of analogies in like a low grade way. Sure. Of like this world is so unfamiliar, but also somehow oh, very sure. familiar. So I can kind of experience with the freshness of like it's a different time, but mm. the themes are the same. I always find period pieces so interesting because they're often written from the context of obviously they're written from the context of the time the show's written. Sure. So like an eighties view of the sixties is so different to a to a twenty twenty view of the sixties. Sure. You know? So like even if you remount a show that was a period piece. I know it's just it's always it's always and this is what I mean it's always different it's mm-hmm. always di- uh, so interesting sorry carry Isn't on it, you know it is interesting yeah. yeah no and it reminded me just that thought reminds me of when I briefly studied to be a secondary school teacher that's right um, <laughs> and they talked about when you're because I was going to be a drama teacher that's right and you'd be a great they drama said that if you're going to do, thank you if you're they welcome. if you're going to do an exercise with kids in like a sort of like a role play invented setting scenario it's good to set it in the past because it stops them from doing things like using phones or. Yeah. Going on the internet or talking about Instagram, you know, and somehow, a, and this is certainly romanticizing history or something, or, or demonizing technology or being afraid of the metaverse, or both. But stripping all that stuff out just, I don't know, somehow just makes the world romantic. Well, it makes like, it more, more romantic because there's no, yeah, you're totally right. There's no way yeah. to just be like, like if you want to tell someone something, you have to rock up at their house and be like, yeah. hey, and did you write you hear? Them a letter? That girl got shot in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> She's dead now. She's dead now. And I'm here to tell dead. you, I want to have lunch. 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 Now. Yes, I've got time for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that. But yeah, the, it was so terrific. Oh, yeah? James, I enjoyed this play so much. Oh, my God, nice. A large reason that this was the case was this cast was impeccable. Oh, in the way heaven. that every one of them was hot. James, sorry. Not hot. <laughs> you okay. predator. Ugly. No, they were just fascinating. Oh, great. In the way great. of them just being like... You know how sometimes you watch a show... And there's one person that you just become obsessed oh, with. Oh, absolutely. Because like, oh my God, what a fucking weirdo. Why yeah, are you yeah, doing this this, is this intriguing way? intriguing to watch. And it's just yep. like, I want to see you all the time. Yep. It's like a cast that's just that person. Oh it's my God. It's that person over and over again. Um, 
to an extent that I wasn't even sure because even like me and Haley had this moment in the opening scene. I was like, oh god, it's a strange period piece. What if it's dreadful? Mm. And but then it was we talking afterwards. We were like with. Within like five minutes of this show starting, we were obsessed with yeah. everyone that was in it. Yes, it was insane. That is such a relief. Um, and that is that's so rare. It's it's impossible. Even like so, Bridget Morrison playing Lenore, who is in the story, this like like this hardy, strong-willed, like real feminist icon woman, mm. and it was just so charming to watch the way that she was just this like unapologetically like strong-willed, assertive woman, mm. and she was just. And there was like nothing weird on the nose. Like, did you see the? <laughs> did you see the oh, Camilla not. Cabello Cinderella? <laughs> uh, I proudly didn't because that had Matthew Corden involved in it. James Corden. Who's uh, Matthew Corden? Your enemy. Um, in Camilla Cabello Cinderella, the the sister of the prince who is not entitled to become the queen because she's is that a real character? A in Camilla Cabello's Cinderella, it's in Cinderella. a character. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she's just this kind of like loud feminist character. Okay. Who is just the, very unlikable. Of I course. Mean, yeah. She, I mean, she's, she's in a, movie a feminist. With, well, she's in a movie with James Corden, so she's very safe oh. for being the least likable character. Yeah, that's. But right. she's just unbearable in terms of just like popping out of pot plants and being like, "What about women's rights?" <laughs> it's like there was a way <laughs> to get that issue. Them. Yeah, there was a yeah. way to get that issue across without you know slapping it in the face. Yes. Anyway, um, yeah, Lenore is the opposite of that. She's just like, oh my god. Bridget Morrison, wildly watchable. I just thought she was like, she's just a captivating wildly performer. Wildly watchable. Great. So watchable. Um, yeah. But they all friggin' were. Aidan McHarg as Edgar Allan Poe. I've got to say, McHarg is also a great name. It's a great name. Yep. Um, he made these wonderful character choices um, to the extent, because I think I read in the program that he has been doing, yeah, like street performance and like magic. <laughs> oh. In like, yeah. What does it say? He won Best Street Performance for his magic show in the Australian National Busking Championship. Ooh, that puts me off a little bit. <laughs> well, because we're all sceptical of magicians. Uh-huh, and street performers, so <laughs> put them together. It's not really comforting. But it was like, that came to his character in such a way that he, like, has this pizzazz yes, that sure. was just always exciting. And nice. I read, I forget where I read it, one of the writers talking about the way that they decided to make the show structurally happen in the way that Edgar Allan Poe was originally a central figure in the story mm. but then has now turned into a more peripheral one and he's just kind of like around for the stuff that happens which I thought enhanced things because at first I think that's a really like a smart decision that they made for the reasons that they go into but it was additionally great because it meant that you didn't get familiar enough with Aiden's performance to be able to predict anything that he would do. So yeah. every time he came in, you're like, oh yeah, Edward Allan Poe's here. And he's so strange. And it was just like, <laughs> he had this wonderful kind of like vaguely Southern accent that was kind of like almost Tennessee Williamsy in the way of like, oh ma. Because Edgar was, <laughs> here comes was Edgar American, Allan Poe. I always forget Edgar was American. I know so little about I Edgar Allan Poe. I just know he's spooky. He's ookie kooky spooky But he would just rock up in these scenes and be like, what are you saying? That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And there was just these wonderful bar scenes where he'd just like be sitting there and be like, what are you talking about? There's something about a southern accent that just <laughs> oh really draws me God. in immediately. Yeah. Salt. They're all friggin' amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, friggin'. <laughs> I'm the guy who says friggin' now. Oh, Jesus. Um, Vincent Pedal. So he plays, like, the the long-suffering guy that's in love with Lenore that she may or may not end up with. Uh. He's like this doctor. I will just say, twice in the show, and this is not a critique at all, twice, it's either him or it's two different male characters when proposing to Lenore. Mm. Um, <laughs> say the line, um, let me take you away from all this. Oh. Which I think is, I just had to imagine, if someone were to ever say that to me <laughs> in my life, I'd be like... How dare you? <laughs> as Lenore almost says in the show as well. It's like, um, this isn't my life. <laughs> and it's also like, how do you suggest it's a thing that I want to get away from? Yeah, it's very, it's also, yeah. I just thought it was really funny. That is funny. But again, that almost brings me to the writing though, because there was something, maybe it's to do with it being set in the past or something, or maybe because as they talk about this, sort of like drawing from a couple of other writers that have done similar things. But it was very, I don't know if this even makes sense. It was very unnarcissistic yeah. in the way that it was written, in the way that you almost forgot that it was written by a person. What do you mean? Which is that sounds... In what do you the mean? way of, like, oftentimes... And I think it's because I'm also a playwright. I mm. Sometimes when I'm watching a piece, I'm imagining the writer's experience of trying to tell this story. Sure. And how did they come to the decisions that they made? And also trying to imagine what the writer's true voice is in the way of, like, what would it be like to have a conversation? Would they sound like this or would they sound like, like nothing like this? And what would they say about this piece of work? Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it was... It somehow felt... Like, it was just kind of, like, written by their idea. Like, it just happened. And it was, like, there's so little of the writer in this 
or the writers in this, mm. that it's just this story happening, and this is just what these characters say. God. And who, it's been... Who are the writers? <laughs> Stephen T. Boltz and Amy Hollow. I was like, wow, this is such an unfamiliar feeling. And it also meant that I could t- kind of turn off that very involuntary part of my mind and just sort of like watch what these characters got up to, which again is also a credit to these performances. Yeah, that's wild. Um, that's a really, if you, if we were doing a review, that's a really good review. I suppose. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. But it was it was, it was was really unfamiliar. And, and again, because these actors were so watchable, I was happy to watch them do anything. Anything. Do you think you would want to be able to write a piece like that where people don't necessarily hear... I don't know if I'm saying this right, not necessarily hear your voice, but is that something that you think you've achieved? Is that something that you think you want to achieve? I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I, I think that's kind of unavoidable. And again, people bring whatever they bring to Yeah, audience, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because you can walk into any show with any lens. You can walk into a show and be like, how feminist is this? Yeah. You can walk into a show and be like, what's the the, the, the representation of this? In I this? guess I, I would always walk into a show and not think about the writer because I'm not a writer. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I hadn't realised that you analyse shows like that, but it makes sense. Not on purpose, but again, yeah, these lenses are so interesting. And that's as, it almost comes back to the criticism thing as well. Like if you walk into a show, whether or not you're officially a critic, but if you yeah. walk into a show wanting to hate it, if you walk into a show... With a, if you walk in with a crush on Sebastiano Pietruzzello, it helps. that will colour your experience. Yep. If you walk into a show mad at the person that directed it, mm. you're going to experience it differently. If you walk into a show feeling like for some reason you're artistically competing with someone involved with the you're creative process, you're going to wa- yeah, you're gonna yeah. watch it and look for the flaws. Well, they say everyone's a critic. They do say that. Mm. Um, but yeah, but that's that. Great show. And then, Lenore. yeah, and as much as it sounds like bias, I do also want to flag that Sebastiano was incredible. Great. He's, he's Good just on him. Like he's so not just hot. James. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, great. Yeah, just like charming and sweet, and you just had a very complicated role to perform because he's playing this guy whose family seems to have this like this curse upon them. What? And things go awry for them. Oh my god. And he's in love with Lenore. Yes. Complicated. And yeah, but... Would you say you want Lamore of it? I wouldn't say that. Would you say you were feeling Lamore for it? Maybe if I've been kicked in the head by a donkey, I would say something like that. Gotta recommend it. Feels good. I just gotta say, I'm definitely gonna see whatever all of these people do next. Yeah, so what was the the company? What was the... Um, so it's produced by the Knack Theatre. It's so nice to hear when people see a show in Melbourne, in particular, and they say... I haven't been to this theatre before. It's great. Especially someone like you who sees a lot of shows. Mm. Because it means there's just so much out there. Um, yeah, I recently, on an application that got rejected. Of course. <laughs> I referred to the independent theatre scene as being like an underground neighbourhood of theatrical potential. Totally. That's a nice that. way of putting it. So, yeah. Not nice enough. <laughs> <laughs> Should be nicer. Um, yeah, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I have fun news. Go ahead. Uh, to people listening at home that may not have heard, my partner has been cast in UMTA, that's Unimel... Oh god, what is UMTA? What does UMTA stand for? University of Melbourne... Unconscious Mediterranean Tuna Appreciation. Yes, that's what it is! (laughs) I only want to have Mediterranean Tuna and I want to be asleep. Um, it's the University of Melbourne's musical theatre group. Great. Um, Is it musical theatre only or it's theatre? Uh, from what I understand, it's musical theatre. They've, they've done like Legally Blonde. They've done um, other musicals. Other music. Correct. Jeez. Good. No, no, that's great. Let me talk. Yeah. Um, uh, Mel, uh, they're doing Footloose. Great. And my partner. Your partner. My partner Flynn has been cast as the lead role. Right. Your romantic partner. My romantic partner. Great. Yeah. Not my partner in crime. Good. But well, your I guess legal partner. in like a fun like wedding vow, I would say my partner in crime. We're getting married! <laughs> Jesus. Okay, no, he's in Footloose, and yep. he's been cast as the lead, which is very... And the lead foot! The lead foot! The loosest of all the feet. Wow. Um, and his sister's also been cast in the show as, like, his aunt, which is very funny. That's fantastic. It's very good. Oh, there's no kissing scenes. <laughs> Between the aunt? No, I don't think so. Um, not that I'm aware of. I think she eggs him on to be beaten up at some point, which I think is quite funny. Okay. So that's going to release a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be quite cathartic for them. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see Footloose and you and I are going to be sitting in the front row. Great. And it's going to be really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and Did you like the show, Footloose? I, here's my thing. I've never seen the movie. I don't know anything about the show. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. as I think you and I briefly just discussed, it's part Jukebox musical. Yeah. Like I know there are so obviously Footloose. And obviously, I think there's um, Holding Out for a Hero in there, sure. and a bunch of those. But I think there are some original ones in there as well. Mm, yes. Yeah. From people... Yeah, I've heard negative things about the original music in the show. Sure. But time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. And also, hopefully it's great. Hopefully it's great. And I think... Um, I know that Flynn's a very good performer, so I'm keen to see that. Yeah. Um, and I'm also just very keen to see... It's been a while since I've seen a university production. Sure. You know? Yeah. And to watch performers who are so... I don't know, just excited to be there. Mm-hmm. Especially after so long... 
I don't know if you heard about this thing called COVID, mm-hmm. especially after so long of not being able to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just going to be really fun. That's so fun. That's yeah. exciting for Flynn. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I My only connection with Footloose is I've seen the movie remake a lot of times. Of course. Because it's so good. James is so good. Is it? Who's in that again? Oh my God. The, like the lead, I don't know if he's been in anything else. He's just like this like, beautiful guy. dancer guy. Um, he's hot. He wears like a white t-shirt and like tight jeans. And <sighs> Julianne Huff is in it as like the female sure. love interest. What else has Julianne Huff been in? She's, uh, she started off on Dancing with the Stars. Um, she's like a I've, dancer. I've got to preface this. Um, listeners, be ready for me to ask Jake a lot to clarify who people are. He only I knows who Star Wars characters are. I only know Star Wars and Marvel. I don't know anyone else. Maybe cut that bit. I don't want people to know that I'm a Star Wars <laughs> Marvel a, fan. Damn it. Um, yeah, Julianne Huff is in it with brown hair, which does not suit her. <laughs> which is a huge takeaway. Like dyed hair or a wig? Uh, who knows? Either okay. way, she needs to be blonde. Yes, yeah, sure, sure. Um, Most people do. Not that everyone needs to look their best all the time. Yes, they do. <laughs> nah. Um, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, and it's a mind-blowing film. It's so good. Dennis Quaid plays, like, the angry dad who bans dancing. <laughs> yeah, good. And there's, a, like, a hoedown scene in it. Oh, Jake Stewart loves a hoedown. This is so good. And it's like, oh my god, Gretchen Wilson and Big and Rich, I believe, play, like, pl- perform the song that it's to. Sure. Which is a huge deal for me. It's a big because deal Gretchen Wilson was one was of my original, gateway drugs Was the, the original, original movie a musical? I think there were just songs in it. Yeah. I don't know. It was the mo- the remake that wasn't a musical, was it? Uh, no. No. No, 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 no. no. it was just very musical. <laughs> in a very adjectival very... sense. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> um, oh, God. As, soon, as, soon, as long as there's a hoedown, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Is, is a hoedown part scene. of the original show? Is it I have no idea. Game? I don't know. Huh. I don't know if it'll be in Flynn's production. I hope it is. But I know there's Flynn. a lot of dancing. Good. That's good. He's going to be wearing jeans and a white shirt. And he's going to be in that barn and he's be really gonna be mad. Hot. He's going to be very hot in it. I'm very sure. excited. Okay. Yeah, for that reason only. Um, <laughs> Great. Okay, so Amtar's Footloose. Be Amtar's there. Footloose. Yeah, guys, come and see it with us. Be It'll there be or be share. Oh! oh. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Stewart. Yes, James Hardy. I hear that there's an upcoming production that we should be seeing. That uh, <laughs> one one Jake Stewart has been involved in. Sure, yes. I'm, I'm one ninth of the people that wrote the piece. So it's called Reagan. Mm-hmm. It's about R-E-I-G-E-N. And it's not about, about, it's not about no. Ronald Reagan, which is everyone's first guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. It's it's uh, ad- adapted from like an old Viennese piece about the spread of sexually transmitted infections through the classes. Same. Um, same. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been Reagan, it's in different adaptations, it, it's been La Ronde, it's been The Blue Room, it's inspired... Oh, yeah. My understanding is that it inspired, um, L'Accuser's musical Hello Again. But yeah, it's a, it's a, like, a daisy chain of episodic scenes of intimacy. Um, so what this is, is my, this is our production I'm currently talking about. Periscope oh. Productions are producing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's produced, yeah, so by Benjamin Sheen, and Jessica Dick is directing it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so it's a daisy chain of scenes, and so it's like... A scene of intimacy between two characters. One of those characters carries through to the next scene, which is then written by a different writer, but the character carries through, and yep. that system continues, and that's how it structurally that's functions. A, such a great structure for a great show. structure. That's really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I've written a scene in that. It opens at the Meat Market Stables in the middle of March. Um, great. Which is the month we're currently in. Should yeah. you read out a list of all the writers right now? Um, do I have a list of all the writers right now? No. I can pause for a moment. Yeah. Amarachi Okoram, Ange Collins, Denis Shake, Fiona Spichakowski, Georgia Simons, me, <laughs> I'm literally reading from an alphabetical list, yeah. me, Jean Tong, Thomas DeAngelis, and Vivian Nguyen. Yeah, it's been amazing. Part of the process was a bunch of us, I think probably like six of the nine of us went to like a retreat thing in Blair Gowery. Oh, um, by the beach. By the beach. Heaven on it. Um, yeah, we like Airbnb'd and like, you know, read a draft of the script and talked to each other. And it was truly like, there was like a moment where I was like sitting, sitting next to Vivian on the couch and there were a couple of people around, like one of the sound designers and we were just like talking about, oh my God, just anything and anything. Yeah, yeah that's really nice. <laughs> anything and, and anything. It also sounds very old school, like with like writer commune sort of vibes. Writer commune, it was yeah. truly like, I had a moment outside of my body where I was looking around and being like, oh my God, this is what I wanted my life to look like for so long. Oh, and it was so just, nice. it was a really beautiful moment. Mm. Um, I was going to, you should organize, you should make a writer's commune. <laughs> just do it. Okay. So, coming up, the things that the two of us will be seeing. Woo. Not necessarily together, but the oh. things that will be happening. Woo. So, tonight I'm seeing Romeo and Julia in Belfast. Oh my god. I know so little about it. A friend of mine is in it. And I, yeah, so that's the reason that I'm going this Who's evening. In it? Uh, oh, just a friend from work that you don't know, but okay. she's wonderful. Um, 
Maybe say her name. Uh, Jess. Her name is Jess. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's happening in Cheltenham. And I've never... It's a venue I've never been to before. I right. think it's a musical. I don't know a lot about it. It's by New Works. N-U-W-O-R-K-S. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah, I don't know. That That is happening. So I'm seeing that. Great. And other things we're seeing. So I'm seeing Nothing, directed by... Well, I hope, you, I hope you see something. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Alon- right. uh, I've seen nothing. Uh, <laughs> but directed by our friend Alonzo at 45 Downstairs. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. with Rebecca McCarr. Rebecca McCarr is in Lovely. it. As well as other cast members also. Then I'm also seeing Anything You Can Do by Ponycam. Oh! Ponycam, a beloved theatre company. On a side note, can I come and see that with you? Um, I'll let you know. Could you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, If Then, oh, at my God. Chapel. If the, is Idina Menzel in it? I assume Idina Menzel is in it. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah, that's also happening. I've never seen... I've never listened to the music from If Then. I don't know anything about it. I love the movie. I just remember there being a lot of... On. The movie? This, this, isn't it based off the movie Sliding Doors? I think it's just the same concept. I don't think there's anything else... Oh, really? I full-on believed it was based off of Sliding Doors. Also, Jake, I've got to say I'm excited. Why? Because we're seeing a high school production of Cloud Street. That is true. That is going to be incredible. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Careful, Wesley. We're, we're coming. We're coming for you. <laughs> All right, so that's it. That's the, the end of the first episode of Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. Heaven. Um, um, how do you feel? Me? I feel yeah. good. I feel like that went well. Feeling good. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited for seeing more shows with you and talking about them. And yeah. also seeing shows by myself, I guess. It'll be good. It'll be fun. It'll yeah, be how exciting. do you feel about that? Good. I'm excited. I'm excited for, yeah, to, you know, have more conversations with you and with people that want to have conversations about the things we have conversations about. I'm excited to have people like guests on. Yeah, I'm excited to have guests as well. You're speaking very fast. Sure. Well, people are smart. They can handle it. No, they're not. And if they can't... Email me. <laughs> My email is Ugh. fake fake at we fake have, We have an email address. It's Do we? Praise Dionysus at gmail.com. That's amazing. I didn't know that we had an email we address. We have an email address. It's legit, guys. I wanted to tell you on the podcast My God, to get your Jake. real reaction. <laughs> ah! Yes. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Quieter. Um, yeah. 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 Great. Uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts or anything. Um, let us know if there's a show you're doing that you would like us to come and oh, see. Oh, totally. Or if you're doing like anything theatrical you want us to come in and have a look at, just let us in. I don't even know what that means. Like a <laughs> workshop or something. It would be yeah. fun to sort of sit in and sort of get some publicity going about your show before it happens. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah thanks so much for listening. Um, hopefully you come back. And I think we'll end this off. Um, what, do you want, what, what do you want? You've got a closing remark in mind? I think friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Friends don't let friends become theatre critics. I think that's what I we agree. need to end on there. And with that, and then I think too... By the time you hear this, everything we've said, our opinions might be totally different. Oh, absolutely. I probably already disagree with myself. We now. may already disagree with yep, the things that we just said. Because that's how opinions work. That's how opinions work. Yeah.